Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Match Ball. Hello there. Welcome to the show that's brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. My name's Dan Moylan. Hello. With me, Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White's here as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. What a game this one is then. 30 years on, on the 30th anniversary of Leeds United facing Liverpool at Ellen Road on April the 13th, 1991. A day that none of us are going to forget for at least 30 years uh, I don't think this one. And that's what the Matchball 30 is all about. It's all about chatting the journey from um, promotion in 1990, game by game, 30 years on, all the way through to lifting the title in 1992 and and 31,500 people inside Ellen Road to witness this. But let's start not at Ellen Road, but at Aintree. Yeah, there's lots of gossip coming from behind enemy lines. Is this a Spygate situation? What, sending a man to the horse race to acquire information? Well, where else are you going to find the Liverpool FC Squad, but well, that's it. The point we're in April, aren't we? And Grand National time at Aintree in Liverpool, and that's where the Liverpool squad are. And you've got what John Barnes, Beardsley, Jan Mulby, Ronnie Moran, and others were there at the National. And the YEP sent an undercover man to get intel from them. And what did he find out? They were all guests of Batley Cash and Carry. I think it's important to give them the the credit for bringing together them together. They did a Q and A, and I think it kind of gets underrated just how much the gossip about Peter Beardsley signing for Leeds had the pitch that that had got to, but he says he's very happy in Liverpool, doesn't need a new house in Leeds, despite having been offered several, or a new luxury car to drive around Yorkshire, despite several car dealerships in Leeds, generously saying, if you need something to drive. And yeah, the, the other main bit of knowledge is that all the horses they picked for the Grand National lost. So that's what you get from the Liverpool squad. Bunch of losers. <laughs> Batley Cash and Carry is the, the grittiest of all the... The corporate hospitality you can get, I imagine. It sounds very, uh, it sounds very much like blokes with packs of Lambert and Butler stacked up, doesn't it? Just dragging them out of there. I also like that this sounds very much like it's got the hand of Fotherby there in the background directing it, you know, instructing car dealerships to try and bribe Beardsley with new cars and the cash and carry, who presumably supply, I don't know, sweets for catering events or something like but yeah, that. Yeah, Mulby, possibly. Probably, yeah, yeah. Well, Fotherby's too busy in Scandinavia because this game is being, uh, it's been selected for live broadcast in Norway in particular. And so he's managed to uh, get 20 grand's worth of perimeter advertising from Scandinavia. Ah, so that explains that it's the Club Norway or Norway Cup 91 um, hoarding that I see in the corner, the yeah. northwest corner. And you also have um, all kinds of uh, strange and wonderful names around the side of the pitch, elbowing, carling and the like to the side. There's, yeah, lots of um, Norwegian cheeses and airlines. 
Eddie was there as well, Eddie Gray. Um, Not back, in Norway, back at Aintree. Yes, back in Leeds, though. Um, he reckons we'll win. Becoming quite a fan at Elland Road, he says, and was impressed by the way they took Sunderland apart. Could have doubled the 5-0 drubbing. And although Liverpool represent much stronger opposition, Eddie Gray thinks Leeds can win the game. Did anyone speak to him at half-time? <laughs> After half an hour, you mean? Well, Liverpool dropped points at Coventry on Tuesday. Lost to Southampton just before that. So they've had a little wobble. Yeah, and a lot of people have been writing them off, which Howard Wilkinson isn't uh, fooled by. So Liverpool have been through it all before. Whenever they begin to look mortal, people say they are dead, but they've climbed out of more coffins than Houdini. Makes perfect sense, all that. <laughs> well, at least Gordon Strachan is back because he's passed a fitness test. You'll remember he was struggling in the last um, in the last week or two and he's had a stress injury. So let's get through the lineups then. For Leeds, John Lukic in goal. We've got Sterling and Whitlow at full-backs. Chris Fairclough, Chris White at centre-half, Batty, Strachan, McAllister Speed in the middle, and Carl Schott and Lee Chapman completing the first 11. Andy Williams and Bobby Davison on the bench. You've got to say that's probably our strongest 11 at the minute. Whitlow, for sure. Liverpool, Mike Hooper in goal. Uh, Steve Staunton, Glenn Hussain, David Burrows, Steve Nicholl, uh, David Speedy, Ray Houghton, John Barnes, Jan Mulby, Peter Beardsley, and Ian Rush being managed by, uh, by Ronnie Moran uh, since uh, Kenny Dalgleish departed earlier in the year. Wow, what a game. <laughs> I mean, we know, we know what happened, obviously. Uh, and that first half an hour, absolutely blistering. Blistering attacking from Liverpool. Remove the first 10 minutes when we were doing the blistering attacking, though. Carl Schott with a couple of good chances. And I reckon we were uh, all over them until they scored. We did start pretty well, to be fair. But you could argue there are parallels with what happened in that um, this season's 2021 opening day fixture in that we were attacking and leaving ourselves exposed and I remember being at this game and just being wowed by how clinical they were in attack. John Barnes is the difference in this game. I mean there, there is an early warning from him actually when he gets a, he crosses from the left and Speedy just can't quite reach it because he's too small but if they'd had a big striker on they would have gone one up there but yeah as Moscow said the first 10 minutes were they were pretty open despite there being a ridiculous number of offsides as well thrown in there there was there was an awful lot of end-to-end stuff in it. You didn't quite see what was coming, coming. And it was John Barnes. That freight train was John Barnes shaped and uh, he started after 11 minutes. Yeah, so the, the hard work of the opening 10 minutes, wasted, just wasted when Ray Houghton makes it 1-0 and, and it's all engineered by Barnes just on the uh, on the edge of the box. He's just inside the box with Big Mel uh, closing him down, but his feet, he does things with his feet. It's wizardry. <laughs> Should come from Hogwarts. He, he looks to be cheating in this game, does Barnes, because he looks also a lot fitter and more balanced and just generally more athletic and calm on the ball than absolutely everybody else on the pitch. But yeah, this is very nice. Takes it out of his feet. Sterling's showing him onto his left because he thinks he can show him down the outside there so he can't go towards goal, but instead he kind of drags it out and chips a little ball over the top. Just makes a yard, doesn't he? Enough to dig it out. Yeah, I think Sterling's quite happy for him to do it. I think he's thinking, well, he can't shoot from here because I'm blocking off the, the shot with his left. If he tries to go right, I'll step in. But it's a great ball over the top and a, a quite an easy finish for Houghton in the end. Yeah, our defence is a bit strange on this. It comes from a Liverpool free kick. So we've got a lot of players back. But when Houghton just appears and puts the ball in at the back post, I think Gary Speed is he's kind of chasing behind him. And the rest of the Leeds players are kind of looking at Barnes, looking at Houghton and looking at each other and just standing there watching as this thing happens. And it's, It does almost happen in slow motion, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a confusing kind of lack of organisation from uh, Howard Wilkinson's defence. Chipping a ball over a defence like that, though, wasn't the done thing in those days, was it? Gordon Strachan does it quite a lot, but not uh, 
he's generally aiming at Lee Chapman. Yeah, he's, like, he's at his head, not over the defence here. Well, five minutes after that, they get a penalty. And you would say in modern parlance that Ian Rush buys this penalty. He knows exactly what he's doing. You see from the replay behind the goal how he, he does that thing. And Bamford does it as well, where you take the touch away from the keeper, but your body continues in the same line and the keeper brings you down and it's a penalty. I mean, it is a penalty. As much as it's it's kind of annoying. You're a bit annoyed at Lukic, if anything, for, for doing this, aren't you? Because if he just stays on his feet, Rush goes wide with it and probably can't even even shoot from where he's knocking it's, the ball to. He's not a good finisher, Ian Rush, so <laughs> you can afford to just let him have the ball in the penalty area. Of course he had to come out and challenge him. You can't just stand there and let Ian Rush have I mean, the ball the, in the penalty area. The way area. he throws himself at his feet, though, if he, if he stays on his feet a bit longer, it makes Rush make a decision, doesn't it? And I don't know. It didn't work anyway, whatever whatever Lukic did, because it was a penalty. I mean, it annoyed the cop as well, because they gave Rush a little bit of stick in this first half before the game completely got away from us um, for his perceived dive, which it, it was in, in 1991 context. It was, you know, not far off Maradona punching the ball into the net against England. Uh, levels of cheating this in 1991, but it all started with with Barnes in midfield again. Yeah, it's annoyingly good. It's very slick, isn't it? And people people stepping over passes as well, which again I think is a bit is a bit sneaky. Yeah. And just when we dust ourselves down from that, the game is still within grasp at two 0 We all know being two 0 in front, it's a dangerous scoreline, isn't it? But it's then three after 25 minutes, and it's David Speedy this time. He's uh, Manages to get his short frame onto the end of this. And they've managed to have one disallowed in between times as well. So it's, we've already had the warning for 3-0. But would, would you have disallowed that one? It's, it's impossible to say, isn't it, from, any, from the angles. it's So yes, I no, would have disallowed would it. You, you've got your VAR lines out and drawn some <laughs> pixels on the screen. I'd have disallowed all of them. But yeah, the third one is... Um, Jan Mulby is ludicrously fat during in this game. Like When you see him, he is, he is not the shape of a footballer, is he? But he can pass it very nicely and it's a nice little ball from him. That starts this one over he, on the left. Well, he is the shape of a footballer. He's the shape of Fatty Folks, isn't he? <laughs> but he, he just just stomping around in the centre circle, but spraying passes off with brilliant accuracy. Yeah, he sort of flicks it off to Barnes over on the left hand side, and then it's another another great crossing. And Speedy, who has no business playing for Liverpool, in my mind, I don't I don't see him as being a Liverpool player. I, I kind of forgot he was ever there, but there he is. Yeah, his main contribution, apart from scoring, is trying to pick fights with people. You have a go at Gary McAllister at one point, and then Chris White's. Is the one in the second half where he, he he goes in very late on White, who then sort of tries to kick him and then realizes he can't be bothered and just kind of shoves him off and walks away. <laughs> Look, I can't be bothered fighting with you. I don't want to fight a midget. Essentially, yeah. But you can see, I think this is one of the goals where we're really uh, defensively all over the place. And I think Barnes coming and playing inside so much is confusing Melvin because uh, he's kind of following him. And at some points, I think it's a disallowed goal where Barnes is uh, on the wing. Well, no, Barnes is inside. I can't remember who's on the wing. I think it might be Beardsley plays a pass to him between David Batty, Gordon Strachan and Chris Fairclough, who were all in the right-back position. <laughs> and then you see John Barnes powering through the middle of the pitch into the penalty area with Mel Sterling following him. And you think everybody's in the wrong place. Was, um, he, was he doing man-to-man, do you think, judging by this? I think there'll be an, an element of just trying to work out who goes where if Barnes is going inside, nobody was expecting it. Whose job actually is that? Are you passing him on to Batty or to Sterland following it? Look like Sterland followed him. You can see in the second half, it kind of works in our favour a little bit. Whitlow spends as much time in centre midfield as he does at left back and is very good. But at this point, it ends up with, I think the, the player who's nearest to Speedy when the goal goes in is Gary McAllister in the six-yard box. 
it's all gone wrong. There's a lot of that in this game, actually, when you watch the goals back of players being in places and you see it with Barnes um, is in the area in the left-back position for one of our goals later on. It's all quite confusing Just, because in 1991, the only person doing positional rotations was Marcelo Bielsa. He hadn't caught on with the rest of the world at that point, had he? And 28 minutes in, and I can remember being at this game and glancing at the cop scoreboard and seeing and working out there was a beautiful symmetry to the fourth goal going in um, on 28 minutes because it's divisible by four. And I, and I started to work out if they score every seven minutes, how high could this score be? <laughs> and this by Barnes, it's virtuoso stuff, isn't it? They make it look incredibly easy, but it's just, it's essentially just two little bits of play. It's more or less two one twos, isn't it? That cuts out our entire team. It's hit Barnes and Mulby, then it's Barnes and Rush. But in doing so, the first bit of play takes out all of the midfield. The second bit of play takes out all of the defence and then bounces through on goal. And, he's, and he does something sneaky as well. He steps across the man. So it's going to be professional foul territory, isn't it, if he gets touched. And he's he's fast. It's he, a good finish though because yeah. the, the ball really holds up on the pitch as well. That does him no favours because it's kind of a, a bog through the middle of the pitch at this stage. And the trench, the same trench. It's like bobbling around the middle and he still manages to get it out of his feet and, and score. And I think it's telling that when you see this go in and you see a close-up, you can see people applauding it in the cop. You can hear it. Yeah, it's it was quite telling, wasn't it? And just the like I say, the the power of the attacking is not something we'd seen before. It was a little bit more industrial, as we'll we'll find out the opinion of uh, of Ronnie Moran on that in the post match. So a mountain to climb at four nil down after twenty eight minutes, and this is proper welcome to Division One territory. There is a hint of hope in that they've got Hooper in there, who has a bit of a Kiko moment and ends up coming miles out of his box and he, he's not looked convincing at any point in the first half either there's loads of crosses that he's misjudged and he, he kind of half comes for stuff and then ends up running backwards and so he's in net so there's a chance yeah there's that mad 60 seconds of scrambling around the pitch that makes you think if we can get Liverpool into our game we might have more of a chance but between that fourth goal and half time there's almost like this air of shock that nobody can quite believe what's happening apart from Kyle Schutt who does get into his mind just to kick everybody that he can get near to and isn't giving up. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The thing that really blew my mind going back and seeing this again was that there were 40 minutes without goals. There were nine goals in this game. And, you know, we're going to come to the disallowed one shortly and Liverpool had one disallowed as well. And yet, 40 minutes without a goal through the middle of the game from Barnes tucking in the 4-0 on 28 to us pulling one back. 68 minutes when Chapman scored our first. I didn't realise it was so late. Are you suggesting you were bored for a long period of this yeah, game? Was, yeah, un- the opposite of whatever scintillating is. <laughs> unscintillating. Yeah, it didn't really feel like it was coming. Well, I think the second half starts and it's just a relief to see that they're not scoring more goals and that we do look better and Batty looks a bit more determined this half. He's following Barnes around when he can and booting him. And <laughs> well, it's a bit sort of rough some of the treatment, but he, we had to get a, a control of him somehow, didn't we? So Batty seems to have been taking on a bit of that responsibility, and it is better. But I still didn't really see that coming. I do like Carl Shot in this game. He doesn't stop running, and his energy up front kind of counteracts Liverpool, who have that attitude about them of being funnel up, and this is probably all going to be fine. And Chapman's reaction when he does score, there is that kind of a sigh of relief because there have been chances, most of which he has blocked. Speed has a shot and it hits Chapman. Somebody else has a shot that bounces off Chapman. So we've been nothing clear cut, but we've been certainly camped around their penalty area and getting one. I can imagine Howard Wilkinson's half-time team talk is win the second half, you know, get one, see what happens after you. Scott, Scott, first goal. Yeah. And so. And we did. Yeah, we got it. And it's just as beautiful as any Liverpool goal. I would well, say. they all count equally. So you can be running through with your pace and your power and beating your offside trap all you want. But these count just the same when it comes to the score sheet. Because uh, Leeds basically dig out a chance down the right after a couple of loose balls. And uh, Shutty pulls it back to Strachan, who actually misses it, doesn't he? It kind of just escapes the end of his foot. But it breaks to. Um, it might be a very convincing dummy. Where he, re- he really makes it look like he was trying to control it. <laughs> he didn't even look at the ball. Yeah. Um, and it runs through to McAllister right on the edge of the area, just over to the right hand side. And it's saved. And Chapman pokes in the rebound from six yards. But he doesn't even poke it in gracefully, does it? It's quite an ugly finish. In off the bar. It's a nice making sure of it. But yeah, it's, is it defensive error, goalkeeping error? There's Hooper and Nickel both getting in each other's way, more or less, on this one. And it just, just drops the Chapman. And there's barely a flicker of celebration. As Moscow said, it was more like slapping the air downward towards the ground, wasn't it? Like, I want to acknowledge that I've scored, but we're 4-1 down still, so I can't enjoy it too much. And you would think that would be the atmosphere in the stadium, but then a minute later, Gary Max running through midfield with the ball, and you do just hear a, Even, a roar from it, and you think, oh, hang on. And, and on the commentary as well, because Martin Tyler's commentating on, on this game, and he's sniffed blood here. He realises Leeds are, are in this game. And to be fair, Leeds fans at 4-1 down start singing Who the Fuck are Liverpool, which is uh, which is beautifully leeds There is a big difference in Liverpool's team between the attack and the defence. I read Brian Glanville's report on this game and he, he goes on and on about how brilliant Rush, Beardsley and Barnes are, but then there is also just, and the defence isn't. So that, that chance is there. Mike Hooper, Steve Nicol, Steve Staunton, it's not classic. There is another chance uh, just after this for Rush, and he should have made it 5-1. Yeah, having said that their uh, their forward line is peerless. Um, it's a 96-97 Rush. 
yeah. that we're getting a, well, a out, glimpse of. Out here. on the wing and slow. Just, <laughs> just to go to Glanville for a second, he says that uh, the inspired dexterity shown, for example, by Ian Rush when combining with Peter Beardsley to bring about the second goal was something the finest South American star, even a Maradona, might envy. I think Maradona would probably look at this and he'd fucking piss himself. <laughs> but this chance from, from Rush, it's Barnes over on the left, over towards the Lowfields terraces, and he chips it, he just chips it in behind the defence, doesn't he? And uh, Rush just gets in between the two centre-halves and then behind them. He's clean through, 16 yards out, and he pulls it wide at the south stand end, uh, past the left post, which is surprising because you've seen him put those in for fun in the past. It's an awful finish. It's a Rush at Leeds finish. I wonder if this is the moment when Wilkinson thought, hmm, maybe we should we should get him in. And what about the great injustice that followed this then? Chapman denied that that headed goal. I mean, this is industrial in its qualities and its stylings, isn't it? Batty gets it um, and lofts it into the area. It's plain and simply just, it's an aerial ball. It's like a, a rugby union kick up into the area and then Chapman goes up for it, gets higher than Hooper and it's ruled out. But the ref's on this quickly. He denies it very, very quickly for the physical contact on Hooper. But was there any? You don't give him any credit for being wrong quickly. <laughs> it's one of those that I think these days, is probably disallowed, but I don't really think it should be. He just jumps with it. And Chapman, even though it's a bit of a Maradona situation where the keeper's able to use his hands, so should just get there first and win the ball. But instead, Chapman gets there first and it should stand. I mean, Hooper's a weird player, isn't he? I, I was looking at his Wikipedia because I just remember him being on the bench for Newcastle. And that's mainly what he did in his career. He spent 125 games in like a 20-year career just on the bench at Liverpool, then on the bench at Newcastle, went on loan to Sunderland, was on the bench there. Although his Wikipedia does tell you he now drives for Alberto's Pizzeria in Coxo, which is a lot of a lot of detail for a Wikipedia. I mean, <laughs> I presume he's not the first choice of driver. But yeah, he's, he just needs to do better on this to Super and I'd have given it. At worst or best, Chapman has a hand on his head, but even only then it's the lightest brush of his hair. It's not a it's not a pushing him down thing, is it? If it's not on a goalkeeper, there's no way this challenge is given as a foul. Yeah, Chapman said afterwards that there was nothing wrong with the goal. The only contact was my head with the ball. These decisions these days always go on the side of the goalkeeper. And I liked Wilkinson's take on it. He obviously went and watched the video before facing the press. And he says that the video shows the referee was hypersensitive in disallowing that goal. But we do make it 4-2 uh, on 77 minutes. Carl. Only takes a minute after the... It's 60 seconds after that's disallowed. 2-4, Carl Schutt, because Speed's chasing down a ball in the northwest corner. Manages to force a throw. He does really well there. And he was really, really useful uh, from throws because he just chucks this in dead far aiming for Chapman at the near post but it drops over his head doesn't he actually throws it beyond him and via luck or management it lands at Carl Schutt's feet six yards out and he just spins and tucks it into the corner I think Chapman appealing so much for a penalty on this confuses everyone and they completely forget that Carl Schutt's just got the ball at his feet and has a is able to have a touch and, and knock it into the corner it's a very Carl Schutt finish he's doing everything in this game at absolute top speed, and he scores this really quickly. It's like a really fast spin, puts it in, and then runs to go and get the ball back, and he's carrying on. Shut thinks we can win. He thought we can win. The moment the fourth goal went in for them, he's like, right, we're winning this. A minute 4-2, 13 minutes to go. This is when you start to believe you've really got a sniff. But then, two minutes later, caught by the sucker punch, Barnes again. I mean, this this is a great goal, annoyingly so. So it's put through to Rush. He then backheels it into John Barnes's path, who again, he's again cheating, too quick for our defence. <laughs> runs through and just puts it across the keeper. So he's, he's sort of running from left to right, but then reverses it back towards the left-hand uh, corner beyond the, the grasp of Lukic. It's not just a fast run, it's a clever run. He's no business doing intelligent things on a football pitch. Why can't they just 
bang it up to a big man and, <laughs> and fight for it instead of all this running between defenders. And he gets away from uh, Sterling and Fairclough, neither of them, neither knows which one's supposed to be going with him and scores the way that Ian Rush probably should have done when he was throwing Lukic before. Yeah, so it's we had the, the goal ruled out 76, Carl Schutt scored 77, and then Liverpool scored 79. <laughs> the game's gone mad, essentially, because even then, Leeds aren't finished. Another two minutes after that, Lee Chapman does score, speaking of, um, of hitting the big man. So we break down the right, then the attack breaks down, but Liverpool don't clear it particularly well. Do we want to blame this on Steve Nicholl? It might have been, it might not have been, but let's pin it on him, shall we? I think so. Well, I think Steve Nicholl is arguably to blame for the marking for the goal as well. I mean, it's Batty collecting it. He collects a loose pass, doesn't he? Drives through the midfield and crosses yeah, to... A, a, attacking intent. Crosses a Chapman who's right in the centre of the box. And for some reason, Mike Cooper stood somewhere over towards his near post and Steve Nicholl is just completely failing to mark Chapman. Yeah. No, nobody saves this goal, though. It's a great cross. The header, the, the power... It's only six yards out that he puts it in from, six or seven yards, but what a header it is where he just throws himself at it. Something that Speedy couldn't do in the first half. I mean, you see Chapman in this position and you know he's going to score, don't you? It's, it's, it's absolute classic. But the best thing about this is the roar that goes up and again, that another that sense of anticipation that we might just yet get something out of this and another seven minutes later and Chapman scores again, completes his hat-trick. Um, Batty, would you have sent him off in, in either 1991 or 2021? Because he, he goes in studs up, doesn't he? He's, he's just about got the ball rather than going over it. Well, he's taken a different approach. Barnes has dribbled through our team. He just Batty just tackles his way through them, doesn't he? He keeps just about losing it, but then he does a slide tackle and another one and keeps lunging in until eventually we um, we have the ball again. Yeah, well, he's he's in the left channel here and it's a loose ball and he and he goes in for it with his studs up, but then he sends it wide to Whitlow, who does well to cut it back into McAllister, who's at the corner of the box in the in the northwest corner. He then lays it off to Speed and Speed cuts in on his right, so he's supposedly weaker foot, crosses it to Chapman at the far post. Now, Hooper actually does make an attempt to come for this rather than delivering pizzas in Coxo. Um, but he only gets it out to Mel Sterland, who's on the edge of the box, goes to Strachan, who then slips it down the outside. And this is what's confusing, is that he kind of outruns John Barnes at this point, who's the furthest back in the left-back position. And he kind of, it's almost like a sliding cross, isn't it? It's going for the, to- uh, for the, the byline, and he kind of hooks his foot round it as he's going down to the ground, but lifts it just enough to get it across to Chapman, who... And when you see this, the replay of this one from behind the goal, Chapman's just stood there. He's, he is goal hanging, isn't he? He's that kid at school who's just lingering by the far post, just waiting, and they find him every time. I mean, he's he stood on the line when he has this one in, but that's he, fine. There are mm-hmm. defenders there. He's allowed to stand there. He knows that's where Strachan's going to put the ball. He can see what Strachan's doing as he's going around John Barnes. He, he knows how to read it. And Chapman's celebration on this is quite funny because he celebrates as if he scored. Well, he has scored a hat-trick, so he celebrates his hat-trick. And I think somebody reminds him, you know, well, there's, there's something else happening here, Lee. It's not only that you've got your three goals and we can all go home now. It's like, oh yeah, shit, I better, let's get the ball and, and carry on. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get four. I think the only major disappointment in this was the timing because it was so late and you give yourself a lot to do in what, you know, four minutes, five minutes tops. Yeah, yeah. The, the goal seems to kind of remind Liverpool that, that their best way of defending against us is to attack. So they actually nearly score in the, the couple of minutes remaining. But then when you need a player to bring some control to the end of a game and run the ball into a corner. Someone to ruin a good match. There he is. <laughs> Number four, Steve Nickel <laughs> in the corner with uh, fighting for it with speed, I think. And yeah, the Liverpool start running the clock down, which is kind of annoying. We had the momentum and we, you know, we had that goal from Chapman. And the vibe in the stadium 
never been so happy to see us concede five goals and get applauded off. I bet Steve Nichol hated it on the <laughs> on the other hand, but yeah, it was um, a bizarre afternoon. You don't see these very often. No, and the fact that we are still talking about it, what, you know, 30 years on, it tells you all you need to know about what this game was like. It was mad. Uh, Ronnie Moran wasn't impressed though, was he? No, Ronnie Moran, Liverpool's manager temporarily, although I think they're uh, about to get rid of him and bring Graham Souness in because he's essentially buggered up their title challenge. All our goals came from well-worked moves and good finishing. Which is tr- which is true. Leeds goals were the stock and trade of the modern game with long balls being pumped into the box. David Batty's cross, Lee Chapman's <laughs> diving header, you take that back. I mean, as I said earlier, though, they all count equal on the score sheet. So, And can... if, if they're that bog standard, defend against them. Yeah. You know, if you know, with your old-fashioned defenders. Wilkinson was... Uh, was magnanimous, I suppose. He was. There's a there's a shot at the end. I think after it's gone to five four um, of our bench, and Wilkinson is just sort of looking at the pitch and laughing. <laughs> I think he, he's quite enjoying that he's managed to unleash this much chaos in a game that was um, gone at half time. And he says the difficult we can achieve, but miracles are harder. And it would have been a miracle to win six five after being four goals down. We were too cavalier in the first half. I tried to impress on my players there is a big difference between achieving the fastest lap time and winning the Grand Prix itself. What does he mean by that? <laughs> I'm not uh, quite sure. He means go really, really slowly so that you're miles behind and then steadily increase your speed until you win. Right. Which didn't happen. No, because our, our hallmark of this era was coming out of the blocks. And we did come out of the blocks, to be fair, for the first 10 minutes, but then they just kept scoring, which wasn't fair. <laughs> He also said that uh, Lee Chapman will be a quiz question in a few years. Who scored three goals against Liverpool? Four. Had one disallowed and still lost. The wider context here is our chase for Crystal Palace as well. Now, they drew at home to Aston Villa, so it is another point gained on us, but it does still leave us just within touching distance of them, but we are four points behind them. Do we still have that game in hand? No. Ah. And But Wilkinson does point out that the good thing about Saturday's game was we managed to keep our goal difference healthy. And we do have a much better goal difference than Palace. We're plus 16, they're uh, plus five, which it didn't really look like being that way at half time. So that helped. So UEFA have given us another potential sniff about these UEFA Cup places. And this is what's interesting. Because if another one does go to England, then we're in with a real shout of uh, getting into Europe again at the first attempt. Yeah, it's that third place because at the start of the season, Liverpool were banned from Europe. Um, the rest of the English clubs have been allowed back in, but because the the whole ban had all come from the high school disaster, Liverpool were still out. But during the season, the UEFA have been convinced that Liverpool should be allowed back. And so because it's technically a change of the rules, you know, every team thought Liverpool couldn't qualify for Europe, therefore third place would be okay for the UEFA Cup. They're now saying they're going to have a meeting on Thursday and see, well, maybe we will give third place, um, an extra UEFA Cup place to, to England because of that. So we'll have to wait and see. You know, it did take about another 10 years for England's UEFA coefficient to get high enough for the four Champions League places because of that. Because when we were readmitted, the reason why we got what so... Is this, what is the Champions League you speak of? Well, just watch this space. If we carry on doing this for the next, I don't know, few years, you might hear of this Champions League rather than this uh, European Cup business. But yes, it did take the coefficient so long to recover from England being out for, what was it, five years or whatever, that um, it took a long while to get the places back in the European competitions. And it was actually by virtue of clubs winning trophies that we started to get them back a little bit quicker. But that's all for the future. What's up next? What's our next fixture? 
slightly more mundane. We've got away to Queen's Park Rangers, but that should be easy. I mean, if we can score four goals against Liverpool, five, if the referee hadn't been so hypersensitive, then um, QPR should be easily turned over. It does feel like a game we've got a good opportunity to get some points in as well after two consecutive defeats off the back of those three consecutive wins. So we're kind of seesawing at the minute, but I'm sure we'll be absolutely fine. Do you know what I'm off to do now? I have to listen to Chesney Hawks. Number one is Chesney at the minute. Are you going to join me? Of course. We'll catch you next time. The Match Ball. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.